you get me today. Hope that's all right. Um, if you're just joining us, it's your first Sunday here in the last few weeks. Um, the series is called Playlist. And, um, you know, music is really just the soundtrack of our lives, right? I mean, everything can be pointed back to and related to music. And I, there are songs uh, that when I hear, and I'm sure you're the same, uh, when I hear them, I think of certain things in my life. I think of events that happened to me. I think of places that I was, places where I was at and then people I was with and that kind of deal. But, uh, and la last week was amazing with a uh, landslide, of course, and, and that carries a lot of meaning for a lot of people and, and uh, old and young, and, and it's a very, very well-known song. Maybe this Sunday is not as well-known to some of our younger, our younger people in here, um, but there's a band, a very important band, um, important in a lot of ways, called U2, all right? And U2, um, they're political, they don't mind kind of mixing it up and, and, and saying what's on their mind. They're, very, they're at the, court of the forefront of, of, um, of world, like poverty and, and, and uh, not a lot of drinking water for some of these countries. They're, they're at the forefront of all, a lot of different organizations trying to push for, for making things better for people. They're not just a, a, a band. They really, really see themselves as ambassadors for a lot of good in the world, okay? And so this band, U2, um, they, uh, they kind of, they, they, they're from Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, and they grew up there. And, and if we know anything about, you guys know anything about Ireland in the 70s, right? 60s and 70s, it was revolution, right? A lot, it was war. And uh, a lot of this and that, and a lot of that side and this side, and they grew up in that. Well, um, they, believe it or not, they actually started out as a, a, a small, as a youth group band for an underground church, right? They started out as this, a band for an underground church in Dublin, Ireland, and they kind of, you know, made their way up there, and they, um, and at one point, they abandoned um, organized religion, and they said, all right, this, I, I'm, I'm, we're sick of what we're seeing, we, we're going to go out and do our own thing, and um, of course, they're humongous worldwide and still still touring. Um, they're kind of the, toward the end of their career now. But in the 80s, they were kind of reaching the peak of their, their popularity. And in 1987, um, they set out to write an album that was their version of a gospel album, okay? The title of the album is The Joshua Tree, okay? Really, really popular. Now, maybe they're, they're most popular. We, we played, already played one cut from that earlier with or without you. And it was a humongous hit. And then the one you just heard, leave it to you two to have this ginormous title of a song. Not one word, not two words, but you know, a whole bunch of words. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, and back in 87, you know, nowadays that song would go over real well in, the, in, in, in Christian circles because it's a song about searching and it's a song about saying, I'm not okay with the way things are. I, I'm looking for the answer. And in 1987, of course, the evangelicals were like, well, the answer is Jesus. What more do you need to search for? The answer is Jesus. You call yourself a Christian, the answer is Jesus is right there in front of you. But yes, Jesus is the answer to every problem that we see, everything we face. But that's not the bottom line. 
That's not the end of the story. There's a whole bunch of searching. If, if, if you're with me on that, we're doing a lot of searching in this life. Jesus can be the answer, but there's still some questions that need to be answered apart from that, right? Jesus and life in Christ is just the beginning. It's the starting place for us. Stepping into a relationship with Christ and knowing the gospel to be true is just the beginning. But I have questions that need to be answered. I see things around me that aren't, I'm not okay with. And it's okay to not be okay, right? It's okay to say you're not okay with what you see. In fact, in fact, we, Shannon and I have a, a, a term for this and we, we, we throw it around a lot in terms of ministry. It's a holy discontent. It's a holy discontent. It's not worldly disillusionment. It's not complaining about stuff because you're just not gonna get your way. It's more, it's deeper than that. There's a holy discontent and it's put there by God himself. As they, there are things as Christians and as Christ followers that we, we do wrestle with and we should wrestle with all the time. We are wrestling. It's like Jacob in Genesis 32. He was, on the, he was on the edge of going to meet his brother Esau, which he duped big time. He lied to him. He was terrible to him. And he was going to make, trying to make things right with him, and he knew he probably was going to face death by doing it. And then on the eve of going and facing his brother, not knowing whether he would live or not, he was exhausted and tired. The Bible says an angel, a stranger, came and appeared to him. And he wrestled with that stranger all night. It was the angel of the Lord. He wrestled all night, all night, and and no no winner. Jacob, a man, and an angel of the Lord went toe to toe all night long. And when the angel saw that he wasn't going to beat Jacob one on one, the Bible says he touched his hip and wrenched his hip out of socket, and he won that way. And even then, Jacob's holding on to the angel, saying, "I'm not going to give up or stop until you give me what I want." I'm not stopping till you give me what I want. If we as Christ followers would take that attitude in our lives, then we're not going to stop until we see God do what we want him to do. It's, it's, it's a holy discontent. And if you feel that this morning, if you feel that, that weight, it's all right. Sometimes in the church, we, we're told that that's a bad thing. We're told that we, we, couldn't, we shouldn't ask questions. We shouldn't take God to task on things that we see because God will be offended at that. No, he's not. He's not offended. He's not offended by the questions. He's only offended and angered by disobedience. God is only offended and angered by one thing. That's disobedience. So it's okay to ask the questions. It's okay to see things in your world and say, I'm not okay with that. God, I need a solution. I came face to face with this holy discontent when I was uh, younger. I was about 12 years old, uh, 12 or 13. I overheard a, converse, a phone conversation that my dad was having with um, some local, um, I didn't know who they were, police or defect or someone. And, and I said, so why is he talking to defect? Why is my dad talking to defect? So they about to shit me out. Like, what have I done? <laughs> about to be gone. Like, oh God, like, please don't send me away. Like, I didn't know, and then as I listened to the conversation, I realized um, that my parents 
were given by God a holy discontent with some of the things they were seeing in our in the area I grew up in, Ben Hill, Irwin County. And what they were actually doing was they were making a way for several families in that community to have Christmas that year. It was around, it's always around Christmas time. And, and it dawned on me that my parents were, the solution to the holy discontent was to give generously. The solution that God gave them was to give of themselves. And they provided Christmas all my life. I, I didn't realize until I was 12 or 13, but all my life, what they were doing was they were calling to get anonymously to get names of families so that they could provide Christmas for these, some of these families that wouldn't have Christmas otherwise. And it just, it just sunk me. Like at, 12, at 13 years old, I can remember just being moved, like God was speaking to me like, I didn't know that. Number one, I was in shock. I didn't know that about my parents. I mean, I knew they were generous. I just didn't know they were doing that. They didn't, want, they, they, they didn't tell me. I just happened on a conversation. And it moved me because they had a holy discontent that they couldn't, they couldn't let sit. Question for you and me this morning is what are you looking for? What is it that stirs you up? What is it in your heart, in your life, in my life that I cannot let sit, right? What is it in you that God has placed there? And you know it, you might be running, you might say, nah, that's just a little heartburn. <laughs> like, it's got to be something. God, you put this in me. I, I, don't, I don't really know what to do about it. Well, Bono, the lead singer, that's not his real name. It's his stage name. He wrote these words of this song we just played. And I want to read them to you stanza by stanza. Now, he wrote this as a gospel song. He said he envisioned in a book called um, Walk On, which is the spiritual journey of you two. He says, he's quoted as saying, look, I wanted to write a gospel album. I imagine this big, humongous choir behind me singing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in kingdom come. All the colors bleed into one. Talking about race relations there a little bit. But I'm still running. I'm still running. You broke the bonds and lose the chains, but I'm still searching for something. And of course, the, the, the theology police back in the mid 80s would like, what do you mean you're searching? Jesus is the answer. There's no more searching. We know. We know, don't we? Y'all, we know. Just because you place your faith in Jesus doesn't mean all the questions are answered. Doesn't mean that. In fact, the questions are just beginning to surface. So what is it that moves you to this morning? What are you looking for? What are you searching for in your life? This is what the first stanza, I say stanza because it's written like a hymn. It's not written verse chorus like most pop songs. It's written in stanzas. The three stanzas. The first stanza goes like this. It says, I've climbed the highest mountain. I've run through the fields only to be with you. I've run, I've crawled. I've scaled these city walls only to be with you. And the tagline, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Verse two, stanza two. It says, I've kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips. It burned like fire this burning desire. I've spoke with the tongue of angels and I've held the hand of the devil. Talk about controversial mid-80s, right? Somebody who claims to know Jesus is like, oh man, you hold the devil's hand. I'm, I'm out of here, cuz. Don't get around me. <laughs> Ooh, don't, don't shake my hand. Like, I've held the hand of the devil. It was warm in the night, but I was cold as a stone. And, the, and then the tagline, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
holy discontent. We see it in lots of ways. What about these wildfires that we're seeing in California? Anybody in here okay with that? I'm not okay. Now, you may say, I can't do a thing about it. I disagree, but we'll get to that. We see missionaries giving their lives for the gospel message, being murdered all over the globe. Well, Justin, I can't do a thing about that. They knew what they were signing up for. Man, that's cold. We can do something. We can do something. Political, all this, all, uh, politics. Man, nothing, devil, the devil uses politics to split us all which way. I mean, look, we can't even, we can't have an election without us feeling worse about ourselves. And we're so caught up in who our representative is gonna be. And that's gonna be the end all be all as if Jesus is not in control. Man, I didn't vote for that person. Man, we are up the creek with that person as our leader. No, we're not. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is in charge. Man, it burns me up. And you know, politics aren't my thing. And, and, I, don't, and I, I'm, I can sit here on this side and go, man, I, can't, I just can't understand the unrest over a human, a man or a woman being in charge for a few years and how we get so up, we, we're just in, up in arms about that. And we keep our eyes on Jesus. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but it's the truth. That unsettles me. When I see Christians more worried about their elected officials than the poverty going on in our own city, that burns me up. Man, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm asking the questions. I'm asking the hard questions. And God, I need answers. Forgive me for making the focus something else besides you. Forgive me. Forgive me for thinking I just need to shut up and let everything be okay. That's like a good Christian should. That's not it. The gospel is wrapped up in the questions and then the answer comes. Then the, of course the answer is Jesus, of course. But it's deeper than that. With the gospel message comes a solution one by one to where we find ourselves. Political unrest, famine, poverty, all that stuff. Our holy discontent, guys, shouldn't stay that way. Really, it needs to move and grow into a holy persistence. It doesn't need to stay that way. It does not need to stay in disillusionment and anger and hurt and helplessness and throwing up our arms and go, what do, what do we do? I can't do a thing about what's going on in California. Yes, you can. Persistence in prayer. Get on your knees, draw a big circle and say, God, I'm not getting up until you answer. Persistent in loving others. You know, teenagers, students, y'all don't have a lot of money to give. I know that full fact. But you can give something else. You can give yourself. Go on a mission trip. Go serve our soup kitchen that we have once a month here. And, and, and many others like it in this town. Go and give of yourself. Go and put, your, put someone else ahead of yourself. Be persistent in that way. Be persistent in that way. Be persistent in the way we love others and love God and pray. Be persistent in how you do that. The key to taking the 
holy discontent and being productive with it and doing something with it instead of stewing on it. Just allow God to grow that into a holy persistence to where you will not and cannot rest until God allows you to be part of a solution. So you get in there and you let God use you to make a difference, right? See, the church doesn't exist for Sunday mornings. It exists for Sunday afternoon through Saturday evening. That's what we exist for. We exist for out there. We exist for out there in the streets, our own town, poverty. Oh my gosh, look no further than your hometown. We're hurting here. We can't be okay with that. Two things I'd ask of you this morning, two things. Number one, if there's not a real burning desire, like Bono said, the holy discontent that's just eating you up right now, pray and ask God for one or two. Pray and ask God to give you something that won't allow you to rest until you be the hands and feet of Jesus somewhere in your town. Just start here. And if there is something that's burning you up that you can't rest until something is done, money, resources, give of yourself and your time, uh, prayer, all those things all rolled into one. Do something. Let's do something about it. Let the discontent become persistence in your life. Bono goes on in the third stanza, and this is how he ends the, the song, and it's beautiful. He says, I believe in kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. Well, yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds, you lose the chains carried the cross of my shame. You know I believed it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Our text this morning comes from Philippians chapter three. I want you to turn there with me real quick. Philippians three, starting in verse seven. If you're writing it down, Philippians three, seven through nine, and then 12 through 14. All right. Follow with me. This is what it says. I once thought these things were valuable. And now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. What is he saying? A few verses back from this, he's, he's, he's telling the audience, the people he's writing to, he said, I used to be a Jewish, a religious leader. I used to have my junk together. I used to know scripture back and forth. I, I, man, I was the best. Like, I kept all the laws. People couldn't find a thing wrong with my life. Like, I was good, I'm, I was good to go. I was keeping it. I was attending church every Sunday. Does this sound familiar? I was playing the, the, the religious game. Sound familiar? A couple weeks ago, Shannon called us all out on that church attendance thing. Man, if we're just attending church, then the gospel's not working itself in and out of our lives. If we're just attending church, it's more than that. God, uh, Paul says, I was good at that stuff. I was good. But now I consider it what? Garbage. He says in verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I no longer just do the stuff so that God will be pleased with me. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This is what it says. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. I run. Paul says I'm running. I press on to possess 
that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize in which God through Jesus is calling us. That sounds like some holy discontent to me. Paul's like, if you think I've got it all together, I am lower than dirt. Paul said it many times. He said it several times in Scripture. Guess what? You think I'm awesome? I'm lower than dirt. He wrote from prison, from prison for preaching, that I am the worst sinner alive. No, he wasn't. He absolutely was not the worst sinner alive. But the way he saw himself in light of who Jesus is, this is the thing. With the holy discontent, the only way it changes and shifts to holy persistence is one way. The closer we get to Jesus and and we see ourselves in light of who he is, then we're able to be all that he wants us to be in our world. Then we're able to see a need and meet a need. Then we're able to take that discontent, that holy discontent, the stuff that bothers us, poverty, hurt. We're able to take it and do something with it. Holy persistence. So next steps here. We take that holy discontent. We need to do something with it. I mentioned it before. The first thing is you need to be, we need to be persistent in prayer. I mean, look, it rises and falls with our prayer life. Y'all, we're never going to rise above how much we pray. As, as, as Christ followers and, and, and people who do good in this world, you will only do as much as your prayer life allows you to. You pray more, then God moves more. You get on your knees until you see God answer. Amen? Wow. Like, I, I need to live that out in my own life. I need to be persistent in prayer. The next thing I need to do is be persistent in worship. I need to worship God with my whole heart. Even if I'm not quite sure, I believe all those words that we sing. Even if I'm wrestling with that a little bit, God's goodness. If things are going, you know, we, there are people in here, all of us have been through tragedy, heartache, hardship. And we sing these songs. Sometimes we just sing them like uh, we just put it in autopilot. But God, God says, keep singing, keep worshiping, keep lifting me up. And I'll do something. I'll come down and I'll bring kingdom come to you. I'll bring the kingdom down. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in praise and, and, and persistent in worship. And the last thing is be persistent in how you love others. Let's be persistent in loving others. You want to change everything for someone or a whole bunch of someones? You love them. You love them with a love that doesn't come from you. You love them with a love that they can't possibly understand. Like, how are you doing this? Why? Those of you who are involved in the Chrysalis community here, the Emmaus community, you know how that works. Man, you just love people into the kingdom of God. You love them so relentlessly that they can't help but see Jesus in that and their whole atmosphere changes. Everything changes about a situation when you love them relentlessly and passionately. When you give generously of yourself. When you go above and beyond what you think you can do. Y'all can't give a lot of money, but you can give yourself. Give yourself. And stuff will start changing. Stuff will start changing. 
Yes, Jesus is the answer. He absolutely is. It begins and ends with Christ. But I'm telling you, there are still questions, subsequent questions that need to be answered here, right? Why, why is this world so messed up? Well, we, can, we, know that, we know the answer to that question. It's sin. What am I gonna do about it? Ask God what he wants you to do. You may say, I'm 15 years old. Ain't much I can do. I can't go to California and fight fires, nor should I. No, but you can get on your knees today and you can stay there until God puts those fires out. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. You can get on your knees and stay there until some, something happens, something shifts. We can do that. We have the power to do that. We can get on our knees and allow God to work. You can love people right where they are. We don't have to go to Africa or, 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 or Asia or, or, or New Orleans, Louisiana or Boston, Massachusetts, or the Florida Keys to serve. We can serve right here in our town. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, pretty controversial for Bono to say, but he was stirred up. He was stirred up. And listen, if Christians, if Christ followers aren't stirred up about something, if something doesn't stir you up, where you say, I cannot rest until something happens, then let's pray about that this morning. Ask God what he would have you do, where he would have you go maybe. Give your heart solely, fully to him. Let that discontent turn and grow and well up inside of you into a well, a spring of life for other people. Persistence in prayer, persistent in worship, persistent in loving others. That's the gospel message. And it look. This is a worship song. You know, modern worship really wouldn't exist without U2. U2 is one of my favorite bands, and, and they were really controversial. A lot of people in Christian circles kind of written them off and said, oh, they're not Christians because they, you know, they drink alcohol and they, they cuss too much and they, they're from Ireland and they're, they're brash and they're, I mean, they, they don't, they don't they, they're, not, they're not Western, they're not what we consider the, the, you know, the modern Christian. They don't fit that mold. And I, it's not for us to judge a man's heart. I don't know him personally. I don't know his heart. But the gospel's wrapped up in this song. It's evident. I believe. I put my trust in you, Jesus, but there are still some questions to be answered, and I'm asking the hard questions today. Will you? Will you ask the hard questions? God, what do you have me do in this world? I know I'm not meant to sit in a, in a, in a chair on Sunday morning and worship and feel good and go out and do nothing. God, put me to use. Let me be the hands and feet of Christ today, today. That's our prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that, uh, we thank you that um, in you is found all the, the end of, of searching, God. God, we know that we don't have answer, all the answers. We know that... Uh, we know that a lot of things in this, in this world, in our lives, hurt. We know a lot of things bother us. We know we are bothered and shaken to the core by what we see around us. But lest we feel helpless, lest we feel helpless, God, you've given us a key to changing that. First and foremost, God, we need to be people of prayer. 
persistent prayer that we're not gonna let up until we see you move. But God, we have tasted life in you. And we know that nothing in this world satisfies. We have a cure for the disease of sin that the world doesn't know yet. Father, I pray that we would put all our energy and our focus and our heart towards doing good in this world for the gospel's sake, for allowing you to work in us. God, be with us in these next few moments as we worship. God, we give you ourselves as we respond in prayer, God. Move in us and stir in us something that we can put to practice in our lives, not just to hear some, some song lyrics of some secular song that means nothing to us, God, but that the gospel would be presented and, and be, be, be evident and clear. And they would stir our hearts to do something about it. And it's in your name we pray.